welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast, the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen. This podcast series provides a space for some fabulous people to share their stories and find a voice within our ever-changing world. It is a space that simply encourages sparky conversations, because there is most definitely always something to be learned from every interesting conversation, however unscripted. At its heart, this podcast is built on the belief that each of us experiences the world in our own unique way, meaning that we all have our own story to share. The Coffee and Conversation podcast aims to uncover a range of perhaps previously unheard stories in an informal, engaging way, so that we can all connect, explore, grow and learn from the great people behind these tales. Happy listening! On today's episode of the Coffee and Conversation podcast, I am joined by Sarah Chaplin-Lee and Georgie Dickens. Sarah, Georgie and I have been talking with each other for around 12 months under the banner of a self-led learning group. Essentially, this means that we get together virtually every six weeks or so and just share ideas, thoughts and reflections on a particular topic of our choice or interest. To date, we have covered areas such as trust, resilience, courage, leadership, and it's fair to say that every conversation leaves us with a variety of ideas, insights and plenty more questions. Sarah describes herself as a profound optimist, coach and thinking partner who will help you to make sense of what is going on in your life in order to work out what it is that you really want. Working primarily from her home in rural Berkshire, she's an avid people watcher and generally fascinated by other people and what makes them tick, how their minds work and the stories that we all tell about ourselves. Georgie's bio introduces her as a powerful coach for extraordinary people within the fields of fintech, financial and professional services – Through her work as a coach and mentor in London and across the globe, Georgie meets a wide variety of people, including ascending stars and successful entrepreneurs. Georgie also loves to practice what she preaches and can regularly be found exercising her own discomfort and uncertainty muscles, which has included skydiving, running the London Marathon and cycling to Amsterdam and back. This year, she is writing her first book about stratospheric CEOs and extraordinary leaders. So welcome to today's edition, uh, edition even, of um, the Coffee and Conversation podcast. And I'm really happy to be joined today um, by Sarah and Georgie. Um, and I'm, as ever, in Scotland in my office drinking um, a half-drunk cup of coffee. Um, so we'll start off um, by just getting you to tell us where you are. So Georgie, do you want to describe your surroundings and, and perhaps what you've brought along to drink today? Yeah, um, so I am in, I was going to say sunny Suffolk, because for the last few weeks, it has been sunny Suffolk. But today it's pouring with rain. So I think the garden is definitely yeah, giving the uh, the world a gentle wave. Uh, so the flowers and everything are definitely benefiting from the rainfall. And I'm sitting in my loft, and I'm drinking hot water. So Very healthy. Yes, I've been drinking, I came off caffeine three months ago, and I've stuck to it. So it's hot water today for me. Excellent. Excellent. Sarah, what about you? Where where in the world are you? So I am happily situated in a little valley uh, nestled somewhere between Reading and Oxford. And uh, I have a moody sky, but I'm enjoying the fact that this extra time at home has allowed me to be more attentive to my garden in a way that it's not used to. So actually, the view out of my window doesn't cause me shame, but actual pleasure at the moment, <laughs> which has changed, but I'm enjoying it. And I, I work from home, so I'm in my office, which feels very familiar and comfortable. And I have a new chair, which is even better. Oh, nice. Oh, I had somebody, um, I was exchanging messages with somebody the other day, and they sent me, um, they were horrified that their other half had um, bought a new office chair, and it was lime green. Um, mm. But I actually, I was actually quite taken with it. So yeah, envious of your new chair. 
So a um, bit of introduction, I suppose, into us. Um, the three of us have a, you know, every six weeks or so, we, we chat over video calls um, and we've been doing it probably for about 12, 18 months or so. Um, interestingly, Sarah and I have never met in person and Georgie and I have only ever met in person once. Um, but through our conversations, I suppose we've got to know each other and and, and, and really just share ideas and thoughts. And, and we'll come on to a little bit more in terms of um, the content of maybe some of those and what it brings. Um, but as usual, we're going to start with quotes. So, um, Sarah, you're on the left of my screen as we're recording. So maybe I'll come to you first uh, and invite you to share the quote that you've brought and just give us an insight into why you've chosen it and, and what it what it means to you. So uh, the quote uh, I've chosen is by uh, one of my favourite authors. He's called Ayn Rand. And it's from my favourite book, which is called Atlas Shrugged. And uh, yeah, I always know, well, I go to her a lot, but she's my desert island author. If I had to take an order of somebody's works, it would be her and Oscar Wilde. And I, I like her because she's a Russian emigre and I've got Russian roots, but also because she's very controversial and uh, very fearless and that is a quality I can emphasise with so I connect with lots of her theories some of which are controversial because she founded a new philosophy and position which still causes controversy today called objectivism if anyone wants to look it up um, and the quote is if you don't know the thing to do is not to get scared but to learn oh very good and that's quite apt for our um our conversations. What's, what, what does it mean to you then? What, what's the sort of, what's the key thing that you take from that, that quote? Well, God, I mean, there's so, even though it's only got three clauses in it, it's massively meaningful. Uh, I think both from my disposition in life generally, um, which I think is the qualities of courage and curiosity are ones that I actively cultivate, but also as a fearless person I tend to leap first and think later um although that's getting better now that I'm encumbered with responsibility um it's just about looking at fear but doing it in a courageous and curious way and also that sense of um movement toward I mean my husband takes the mick out of me for wanting to be to achieve divine spiritual oneness which is a quote from Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, which puts me at the other end of the intellectual spectrum. But um, it is about personal enlightenment for me around constant learning. Everything is an opportunity to grow and to experience other perspectives and other ways of being and thinking. And as a, as a coach, it's important that I try and inhabit that space, but also as a person that is about harnessed curiosity. So it has meaning. And to our conversations, that it's all about making meaning of what's happening. Um, so it has real power for me, but also particularly at the moment, which is around this um, the balance between fear and courage with all of the uncertainty which we're living through. And also it's afforded such a massive opportunity for learning and growth and self-awareness around well, why am I reacting like that? And that's why I guess why we, I like these conversations so much is because it is a really helpful making meaning experience. So, yeah, I mean, I could go on about this for yeah. ages, but that's pretty much why I pick it, because it's a it's a sacred thing in terms of a position. But also it's really powerful at the moment because it's three clauses long, but it has as in part of my prep. I was just wrote reams and reams about what I'm experiencing as part of having a curious mind, but also about how hard self-learning is. 
especially as you try and integrate it and make meaning when things are changing around you and how it connects to resilience and adaptability and oh I mean it's it's huge so yes I'm in quite a contemplative space with that at the moment excellent well thank you for sharing that and yeah it's a really it's really interesting isn't it how such a short phrase can lead you into such depth of thought um which is yeah that's something I find really interesting um so Georgie what have you chosen to bring um today what's your reasons behind your words yeah so mine is a Charles Darwin quote and uh, the quote is, it is not the strongest that survives, nor the most intelligent. It is the one that is most adaptable to change. And the reason that I this for me really resonates is kind of in the moment of the last three months, because the pandemic is a unique sort of crisis because it's been acute, it's global, it's exponential. And for all of us, whether we're an individual or whether we're a business, you know, we can double down on our, our old strengths, which I don't think will necessarily serve us. Or to weave into Sarah's point, we can get curious, we can get quizzical, and we can be recognise what are the strengths that will serve us going forward. But equally, how can we as a business or how do we as an individual, what can we learn from this? How can we come out, you know, with our star shining even greater? How can we pivot? How can we re-strategize? So it's about, for me, the adaptability, the flexibility, the, you know, Sarah's point, the being curious, being quizzical, really understanding, you know, this is a crisis, but embedded in the word for crisis, or the Chinese word for crisis is also the word opportunity. So how do we leverage this as an opportunity? How do we learn from this? And it's a quote I've been sharing with some of my clients, and it just feels really apt because it's not the smartest person in the room that will necessarily, you know, come out of this the strongest it's those that reflect get reflective and get curious and understand what they need to change and how they need to do it mm, I really like that and I think it's interesting you know I've been thinking a lot about um you know responses to what's going on and what I've seen is almost smaller businesses and individuals are almost being able to adapt quicker because there isn't the red tape. So, I mean, I look at you know, some of the things, and perhaps we might touch on this later, you know, the two of you are doing, and in terms of how you're being able to um, shift your businesses actually pretty quickly, um, because you're able to see opportunity and move. And it's quite interesting to contrast that perhaps to some larger, bigger um, structures and organisations and the challenges of actually, um, you know, moving a real weighty ship as opposed to something that's agile and um, is able to be flexible and, and adapt to what's going on around. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it, how the two the two quotes, um, you can kind of find connections in them without having sat down and planned, you know, what are you going to bring? Um, you know, I love seeing how those those connections have, have, have arisen. Um, so thank you for sharing those. And I think actually both of them give a really nice segue perhaps into some of the things that we'll explore in the next 20 minutes or so. Um, and I'm conscious that we could probably talk for three hours and still be talking. Um, so it will be a challenge. Um, but just in terms of maybe picking up on a couple of those things, you both used the word curious and reflection. Um, and I think that links into um, the conversations that we have. And, you know, what we tend to do, just as a bit of an insight, we tend to pick a subject, which can be one word, and then we'll all go away and have a look at it and come back together and just explore and see what we found and what it means. Um, so in a sense, you know, I'm interested and curious um, about, you know, why do, why do the two of you keep coming back and, and in, in engaging in these in, in these conversations and what are the sorts of things it means so maybe Georgie I'll maybe come to you first this time um and you know what is it that you find useful 
Um, and yeah, what does keep you coming back to talking to myself and Sarah every so often? It's, I love the fact we, we base our conversations around a central theme or topic. So there's a, there's a focus um, around our discussions. That said, we obviously, oh, well, we often go off on tangents, but we go with emergence. So I, I love that. I love the fact we're not too rigid in our framework and we kind of work with what's on the day. Um, but it's about seeing things through a different lens. And I remember another coach shared with me a, a long time ago the analogy of a beach ball. You know, when we were children, the beach ball that had the red stripe, the, the white stripe and all the different segments. And, you know, I might be looking at the ball and being like, well, look, when I'm looking at Gestalt theory or when I'm looking at uh, resilience, you know, I might be looking at a, a certain topic and I can see the orange, the yellow and the, the you know, the green segments. But then, you know, Sarah, you're seeing the white and the red and Jane, you're seeing the purple and the pink. And so it's it's about expanding my knowledge. And also it's about challenging your assumptions or challenging your own thinking. And I come away and it's it's like a lot of dots that maybe would never have married up before kind of connect for me. But it's also I come away with a deeper sense of understanding about a subject because we've all got different experiences and, and backgrounds and and. It, there's such a learning agenda and a learning agility that we all bring. And I've just found that incredibly valuable and rich in insight and learning. Excellent. Thanks. So what about you, Sarah? What's the sort of, what, what keeps you coming back? Oh, I'm, I'm smirking because actually what I want to say is what she said. <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed. You're, there are no rules. Uh, yeah, you can't gild the lily, can you? Um well, I mean, for all of those reasons, and I won't repeat it, but it's ultimately that um, the quality of somebody else's thinking is a rare gift. And I think I love our conversations because it's focused around one topic, as you suggested, and that could be around trust. It could be around resilience. It could be about all sorts of things, just so that everyone listening knows what we're talking about. Um but it's such a rare opportunity to spend an hour and a half talking about one word and how complex that is and about looking at assumptions and beliefs and what else is happening for each of us in our trusted space around how we react to the word and what others say about it. And I just find it very rich and insightful to have that luxury of exploration because it does always take my thinking in a very different and often deeper direction and inevitably excites a new direction of learning for me but also a different way of thinking about how I work and challenging my own belief system and assumptions of what I carry into a room with my clients but also what I carry with me and how that shows up so inevitably it connects to my quote which is around this continued learning process and growth of self-awareness but also it does feel like a real gift to get an insight into two very different brains and how we collaborate and work with each other around those words and leave feeling better and richer for it so that's why I keep coming back yeah and Georgie do you want to add to that yeah no and I you know for me sometimes it can be a single insight can change everything for me and I don't come to the sessions with any expectation and it's you know but it's like a single insight or a single model that can be shared can be so it's like uh, someone shared re recently with me the, the ROI and it's not return on investment but it's the ripple of impact so it might be you know you, you've both shared models and quotes and uh, resources before and it's then you know I then go and share that with my community in my world so it's that ripple of impact that that learning has it's not just within our, our kind of curated group but it's it's you know how we take that out into the world as well. 
Yeah, and I think it's um, something that's come into my head just as you're both talking is this, you know, idea of almost, you know, what is learning? Um, and I think a lot of what we're able to do through our conversations, for me anyway, is, is Sarah, you mentioned um, making sense of stuff um, and sense making. And I think it's almost it's a space to, as you said, join some of those dots. So, you know, we might go and read something or, you know, somebody's told us something or watch a YouTube video, whatever it might be. And it's not until you come together with other people and you're able to talk through and hear different perspectives that suddenly you make connections and whether that might be a human connection, a theory connection, or a, or even a, oh, right, okay, that's why that worked. Ah, okay, I get it now. But it's almost that space to sort of, yeah, not you know, not feel stupid or ask, you know, say things that you kind of think, well, I'm not really sure about this yet. Um, but through conversation, we're able to just clarify our own minds or even clarify the question. We might not, we, we might say there's something strange out here I want to explore, but I'm not really sure what that is. But through conversation, we're able to, to kind of, clarify that I suppose um Sarah oh I just wanted to add to that because I think the the other thing that I find massively beneficial uh and back to the idea of it being a luxury of time spent is the ability to step out step away get perspective of my own as part of the meaning making process and having a safe place with trusted people where you do feel that you can say something ridiculous, stupid or asinine and no one's going to put a funny face, although maybe not on camera. Um, and that that's, that's a really powerful way I find of enhancing my own journey. And, but there's something powerful that, that resonated for me about that, which put me in mind of the fact that it's very rare you get an opportunity to step out of your normal way of living and working and your own patterns of being and step into something which is very specifically about meaning making and thinking and sharing of ideas and positions and beliefs. And it's a very it's a very special thing, I guess, is what I wanted to add to that. And I think I find it interesting because, you know, both of you, um, you, know, you are coaches, um, it's executive coaches. Is that the right term? Is that how you want to be described? nodding yeah sort of um but anyway you work with other people uh, and help other people and support other people and, and help them work through things and you know i suppose i'm curious in terms of how the connection between maybe the conversations that we have and how you're then able to like georgia you mentioned that ripple ripple of impact and how you're then able to 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 sort of take that out so it kind of feels like it's a it's a space as well that enables you to potentially be then more effective in your everyday roles or or at least go back with with ideas that perhaps um without these type of conversations it may be and i'm sure you have these you know similar sort of um setups elsewhere but without that additional conversation actually you would be saying the same things back to your clients and people that you work with so it maybe adds adds to your um insight that then has that i love that idea ripple of impact um, I'm definitely going to change my ROI to ripple of impact. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, the idea that it, it then cascades outwards and you're able to keep being more effective in the roles that you are doing and other people see the benefit of that. Yeah. And, and I, and I hear you there because there's always room for learning and growth, you know, around every topic and it, it's just deepening and broadening that learning. And yes, you know, we can read our own resources, we can research, but actually, you know, when you come into this group, you know, Jane, you've been doing your PhD, you know, you, you bring a whole different perspective, a whole different angle, a whole different lens. And that for me has been really 
you know, models and techniques and tools that you've shared, you know, I may never have come across before, but that's, that's, um, you know, may, me, meant I've shown up differently to my clients because I've, I've offered them a deeper level of uh, connection to themselves by some of the models I've been able to present. Mm. Well, how about you, Sarah? What's the sort of, um, what's your, the ripple of impact? Is that something that you can um, empathise with and, and appreciate in your work? Yeah, for sure. And I too like the reinterpretation of that acronym. Um, I think the, certainly Jane, your PhD perspective adds a different layer to the process for me, but it extends that, the theory about shared learning and where conversations about one word can take your thinking and your experience of a word and so and I think one of the reasons why I find these sessions so helpful and why I do have them elsewhere with other coaches is primarily with us because I think Jen your your perspective adds something very different and unique for me because you're not a practicing coach you're you're operating in a very different space albeit around similar themes but it's the fact that the um the learning and insight that comes from this deep exploration changes the way I interface with clients when I hear things because I hear them in a different way as a consequence of the conversation. So I think trust is a really good word as an example. So it's very small, it's very powerful, very meaningful, and it's thrown around all over the place with, you know, with glib, you know, nobody, it's so powerful and overused and rarely dived into. And I guess the, the process of explore, exploring these things with you guys allows me to press pause more often and dive into syntax and meaning and, and in a way which changes the way that the conversation then goes. Mm. And I think one of the things that I find really interesting is the fact that we haven't ever met physically in person as a trio. Um, and yet we've been able through you know, video and online and Zoom and all the technology. Um, and maybe maybe we should say we were pioneering because we were doing that before coronavirus forced us to uh, to have our meetings online. Um, but it's this idea that actually, you, you know, you, you can build really trusting um, relationships through that um, that medium. Whereas perhaps, you know, had, had I had, you know, maybe thought this a couple of years ago, you know, you know, human connection and, you know, you've got to meet people in person. And, you know, I've no doubt that if we caught up now in person and sat over a coffee or whatever it might be, that the conversation would just flow. Um, but I just find it really interesting how you are, we have been able to build that sort of um, trust, you both use the words trust, um, but trusted space, despite never having met in person. Um, and I, yeah, I haven't really, I'm not sure I've found that or experienced that before. Um, and it just sort of maybe does throw a different light onto the this idea of human connection and, and that it is, yes, it's, you know, I, I'm absolutely missing meeting people and sitting, meeting people over a coffee in person. Um, but that it is still possible in an online virtual world, I find quite interesting. And as you said, it feels pioneering, you know, given the shift to, uh, to you know, technology-based meetings and conversations and connections now. I suppose, you know, we'd all kind of rehearsed this. We'd already had, you know, we'd already exercised that muscle. So, you know, when we're, you know, for all of us who've had to pivot and find new ways of doing things and connecting with clients, you know, we, we, it's already, you know, we'd, we'd already said we'd exercise that muscle. So, and, and to your point, you know, it's, you can establish deep connection, you can establish trust, you can create really meaningful, powerful, impactful containers virtually. And I think, you know, over coronavirus, that's definitely been, um, what's the word, like a, 
I suppose a surprise for me that um, that you know, with clients, with workshops, with masterclasses, that you, you know, this has never been done to this scale before. And I think companies were being very reticent about holding a lot of virtual workshops because they'd have been like, no, we need everyone there in the room. And it's going to be interesting how organisations reshape out of this because I think the there's going to be so much data and evidence to support the fact that you can deliver a real meaningful and really valuable experience for everyone in the room virtually. And if anything, there's there's opportunities for it to you know for even more uh, you know with things like Zoom and breakout rooms. You know there's there's even more opportunity for a greater level of experience for the for anyone attending a workshop. And what about you, Sarah? Are you finding kind of with your work? Um, I think there was you were previously doing a lot of virtual things as well, um, but have you noticed a sort of um, I don't know shift, or has, has what you've learned from these types of conversations been? Has it contributed, or how has it contributed to your um, ongoing work and connections with clients and others? Well, I I found that quite um, challenging, but for a different way because. To Georgie's point, my pivot was a very small one. Probably 60, 70% of the work that I've been doing for the last four years has been virtual. And that's partly because I have a real thing about having to travel up to London. <laughs> so I try and avoid it. <laughs> and also because I'm lucky enough to have clients who are international. I, I also hate the idea of international travel and getting on a plane, so I avoid that as well. So, um, But I've had to be really mindful of the fact that um, my experience of this crisis has been manifold, but not around the virtual working not around having a discrete space and a way of preparing myself to work in this way in the right way for me and for the clients that I'm serving. So I've really not felt that adjustment at all because it just feels normal and actually better because I, I'm relieved of the pressure of having to travel anywhere. Um, and so I have to be really mindful of the fact that this, is, this has been a good thing for me, where for others I know that they've experienced it very differently. Um, I think the one thing that I have thinking about and which I'm working harder on as a result both of what I've experienced with our self-led learning days but also around this sense of everyone having to be forced into this virtual meeting medium is around um, what we've experienced is the quality that comes from having a shared intention which is transparent from the start which makes trust come much more quickly and more easily because we are all very aware of why we're there and what the purpose is and how we want to work mm. And I think that's probably the thing that I've been most focused on trying to cultivate in the relationships that I'm building virtually from scratch, some of which, you know, new clients who just started right at the beginning of the crisis who we were due to meet and then never did. And how that transparency around the intention and, and how you work in a virtual way for people who are very unaccustomed to it, it feels like a very important part of setting it up to succeed. So I said that's kind of big takeaway from this. Yeah, and there's a couple of things that spring to mind just as you're talking. The first is um, I love, I love the um, you, you said you know the clients that you serve, and that takes me back to the first podcast um, that I did with um, Nikki Fuller and Barbara Daniels. And Nikki's quote was around um, the difference between um, helping, supporting, and serving. And we had a whole conversation around this notion of what serving actually meant. Um, so it's just yeah, just sprung to my mind that you know I love the fact that you know we talk about making connections, and suddenly there's a connection weaving through the podcast series um, which is great um, but the other you know the other side of um, what I've noticed through doing some things virtually and delivering some workshops is um, you know it's people's almost um, yesterday I was I was doing a session around authenticity and um, 
you know, I'm really conscious of if I was doing sessions in person, you'd be encouraging conversation and, you, you know, people would be talking to the person next to them or in small groups. And, and it is possible on virtual technology. But a couple of feedbacks, um, bits of feedback I've had from people is, do you know what, it's such a relaxing relief to just be able to sit and listen. And it feels like quite a luxury just to be able to sit and listen and make notes and not feel pressure to engage. Um, and equally, somebody else um, said, do you know, what? I was so relieved that we didn't have video because I could, you know, that I was actually quite nervous about the thought of turning up to something and not knowing anybody and having to put my video on and show my, but actually the fact that there is no video and I can just sit and if I want to interact, I can use the chat box. So it's really made me think about, you know, the types of people and how my assumptions in a workshop are you show up and you get people talking. And actually, it's acknowledging that sometimes there is value for others in just having that time and space to sit and listen um, and for them to tick over and make sense. And, and you know, so so I think there's a whole it's, it's certainly made me reflect on and even think think even more about, well, what are the, the people that are turning up? What is it that they want and need and what's going to help them which kind of connects me right back to that how can I best serve their needs um so I think yeah I think it's, there's some really interesting things for me coming out in this idea of, of virtual and um and how yeah how we how we take it forward almost and become more effective in in what we do but I think the biggest learning for me is that doesn't take away <coughs> excuse me it doesn't take away from you know, building relationships because they are absolutely possible to do in this virtual virtual world. But yeah, I've gone off on a bit of a ramble tangent there, but never mind. <laughs> um, so just I'm just um, you know thinking about maybe drawing some of these uh, strands together and um, maybe connecting some of the quotes with some of the things we've talked about in terms of our sense making. And um, what's has you know, struck me throughout our conversations and today is this notion of trust and safety. And I'm just wondering from your perspective um, and whether that be in terms of these conversations or, you know, the relationships you build with others and clients or even, you know, friendships or those sorts of things. It is a complicated subject and we could talk for a long time. But what are the sort of core things that um, as well as purpose and shared purpose, you know, what are the other things that that feel important to you when you are building that sort of trust or you're looking for in a in a space where you're willing to talk and share and those sorts of things good yeah i, I can yeah. see people just for just for those listening i can see some nodding and some thinking whirring cogs sorry i've just thrown a really a, a, a random question in and it's not a small random question either. No, it's not it's i know question. i know i'm consciously throwing in a very large question to to uh the word for me that initially sprung to mind, and I'm, I'm going to be speaking out loud here as I'm processing oh, why great. the words come really to good. mind, um, is connection. Because there's something here for me about really holding a powerful container, whether it's a group or whether it's an individual, and really being very clear, I suppose, on the ground rules. Uh, not when I say ground rules, but really emphasising the confidentiality and just, I think, for me, it's also about getting deeply present with myself and grounded. So when I enter into that virtual space I want to be really connected to myself so I can really connect to the client and they can feel very safe and at ease in my um in in my presence so certainly over the last few months I've really tried to focus on presence and really so I can kind of show up powerfully in a way that that yeah the client feels held it's really important for me that they feel held and 
that I can, is the word disarm them? I don't mean disarm them, but that they feel safe to remove their armour in that, in in our conversation. So the, the, the confidentiality piece, it's, yes, it's, you speak it out into the room, but it's also about, for me, demonstrating it energetically. So it, it's, it's, it's acknowledging it, but then also um, kind of embodying it as well. Mm, yeah, I really like some of those things in terms of that sort of, it, it's, it's really easy to say, oh yeah, just create a safe space. But it's the detail of how you do that so that when somebody shows up, you create that connection. Uh, and certainly from you know my research and the, the stuff that I've been you know, looking at over the last few months, that it starts with you. And mm. if you know yourself and really trust yourself and understand yourself, then actually you're then able to, whether that's cascading outwards or ripple of impact outwards, um, but it's, it all starts with you um, and how you show up and how you, um, and I learned this term from working with some occupational therapists and they talk about therapeutic use of self. And it's it's more it's more than role modeling to me. It's how you demonstrate and you're you know, you're really showing people um, you know, how it, and you can only do that if you really know yourself. Um, so, yeah, that, that that struck me from what you were just saying there, George. So thank you for thinking out loud. It's always good. <laughs> Sarah, what, what's what's your take on, on on that sort of subject or reflecting on what Georgie's just said? Well, as ever with me, it was such a big question. It took me way off into a different sphere. And I've now both forgotten the question and got completely lost in what Georgie was saying in terms of how it's informed, informed my own thinking. So I can't actually remember what you asked, but I don't know that it's relevant because I think the thing that came up for me when listening to Georgie and also just responding to how I felt about it is that I, I would agree wholeheartedly that it's about the quality of the presence that you bring when you're engaging with somebody. And I'd actually say that confined at home, it's as important as it is when you're working virtually. And I would say that for, for me, there's something around the quality of preparation around how I'm showing up as a professional is acknowledging how the impact of the changes in the world in which we're living on are creating a sense of emotional turbulence for me as an individual and the self-management that's required to make sure that that is properly acknowledged both for me, but also in terms of giving permission for how to create the space which feels okay to work in and the, the quality of the work that can be done, given the fact that we're all being fairly buffeted on a frequent and regular basis by all this weirdness that's going on everywhere. And let's not get into that. But um, that there's something around trust and safety being created by being transparent about the human impact of the psychology and the emotion that happens on an almost changing hourly basis in terms of mood and the reactivity to what's happening. And also, I guess, for everybody who's working at home, you might do really good stuff when you're in your room, but then when you leave your cave to go and make a cup of tea and you bump into someone who may have had a very different experience in their meeting and how, how heavily those interchanges can impact how you then have to set yourself back up for the next meeting. And I think there's some acknowledgement about how hard it is that creates a sense of openness and sharing in the space that you create because you're not turning up as perfect and all kind of polished and you know back to my original thing all this kind of divine spiritual oneness and the fact you've got it all going on so there's something about that making making use of your own humanity and the fact that that is a relatable thing because we're all in it together and experiencing it in very different ways and we could all do with a big give me the benefit of the doubt sign if you make a mess of something in the moment 
absolutely and and what i love about you know where that com- that sort of strand of conversation just gone is is that's i suppose kind of a bit of an insight into how our conversations work generally in terms of there's a question there's a subject and you know it leads us off onto really different ways and actually you know sometimes it doesn't matter what the question was it's about where your thinking takes you and sharing that and 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 actually having somebody that will listen to your ramblings and your and it's it's out loud sense making um which can uh, you know i find really useful because it's stuff that's in your and if it's in your own head you've only got your own voice and your own your own perspective to try and um, make sense of it but if you can say that out loud and somebody else can just say well what i've heard you say is this or oh that sparked this for me um i think that that's what that's part of the um you know the the benefit of having these types of three-way conversation where we do all bring such different um different environments and i suppose i'm just um wrapping us up leading us towards the towards the conclusion um and a couple of things before before i ask you for maybe your final reflections um I think what you just said, Sarah, about this idea that it's, you know, acknowledging how people are feeling right now. And, you know, I think there's something really important. And I, you know, I wonder how you're seeing that in your, um, you know, you know, your worlds and your coaching worlds in terms of just being able to say to me, how are you doing right now? And actually, that might be very different to how you were doing yesterday, the day before, an hour ago. And actually, really acknowledging that that is okay. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's always been okay. But perhaps this, you know, this time gives us that that opportunity to do that so you know are, are you seeing and i'm always really conscious of asking trying to ask open questions instead of closed questions going are you and you can go yes end of conversation um but you know how are you seeing that show up in your people that you're working with and and how has it impacted on maybe your conversations i suppose and i know that's a really big question to ask um, as we're coming towards the end but i was just curious in terms of you know how you're seeing that and, and how it's impacting on what you do on a daily basis I mean, I'm happy to step in there. Yeah, the oscillation of feelings and emotions, as you said, it, it the, the frequency and the cadence in terms of which it's changing is marked because there are so many unknown unknowns and people are going through the change cycle at very different paces. It's not a smooth cycle. And there's you know you know there's the curve I've shared with you guys before about the surviving um, or thriving surviving drowning and really it's the pendulum swing can be really um really marked and it's but for me it's really about helping people get aware about you know when thrive you know when they're thriving when life is good when they're feeling fully balanced what does that look like what are they doing you know because we we're not thriving by chance or fortitude you know it's it, there's a recipe behind that so for me it's trying you know because when we're drowning we're so sometimes under-resourced and down a rabbit hole we don't necessarily have the capacity to draw upon to be like how do i get out of my rabbit hole so for me it's it's helping them make sense of their feelings helping them make sense that it's it normalizing it because the change curve you know going into that fight flight fright uh, freeze response it's important for them to normalize and recognize the fact they have a human you know they have a pulse and they're humans that is normal and then to help them get aware of, you know, what are they doing that's, you know, there's often a pattern in how we deplete ourselves or a pattern in how we go down the rabbit hole. So it's getting aware on what those patterns may be. And also it's getting them to uh, supporting clients and understanding when they show up as their best and their most resilient self and they have that bounce back ability. What does that look like? What do they do? Um, so for me, it's the, it's acknowledging the oscillations of feelings, emotions, and then just helping them make sense of that and normalize it. 
and then support them and you know with strategies and techniques in order that they can that they recognize what are the things they need to put in place the strategies in order to help them be be at their best yeah it's not about performing it's about being at their best feeling their best selves yeah I like that so what about what about you what are you saying I mean I think I'd agree with everything that Georgie just said um I think well certainly over the last couple of months there's been a lot I I feel a lot of the work has been around allowing space to explore and feel what you're feeling and acknowledge that it's new and weird and unaccustomed to feeling like that particularly emotion at work and psychological distress at work and how these things pop up unhelpfully in weird ways. And I guess I think the, the prevalent theme would be it's okay not to feel okay. Mm. And so there's this, almost a sense of um, liberation from the permission giving that it's okay to feel what you feel. And I guess the with the training that w- we've had, it's around ha- learning how to sit with feeling that discomfort and try and make meaning from it so that you can emerge from a conversation, whomever it's with, whether it's me or anyone else, feeling like you've got some way of reframing it that's helpful for you so you can move forward and take the next step. And and also, to conversely, that there are some people for whom this has been liberating in a very positive and powerful way. Um, and it's a subject for another podcast about the different experiences of different segments of the population, be they introvert or extrovert. I've had lots of conversations around that. Um, so as an introvert, I'm finding it super, super happy and friendly because I get to just sit in my little cave and I don't have to go out and make an effort to be something that where there are expectations carried about me and my performance. Whereas for extroverts, that's very different. For older people and where I am in the old end, uh, very different to people who are in their 20s and 30s. So I think there's something around acknowledging the fact that we are literally in a smorgasbord of the unknown in terms of our reactions and our responses and our feelings. And there's something powerful about just making room for that all being okay and that it's okay not to be okay, but it's also okay to be having a really good time. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as we as we sort of um, start to conclude the conclude our conversation, I think I really like that idea that, you know, we're all actually what it comes to, we're all human, we're all individuals and it's acknowledging that and working out what it is that makes us makes us each tick and the help that and support that people can can give us to do that. Um, so just in conclusion, I always ask ask my um, guests just to offer a few reflections or anything that you would like to leave our listeners with. Um, and you know what I've I've heard a lot in this um, in this conversation is it's about learning, it's about reflecting, it's that constant learn, that adaptability. Um, that you know we all experience things in different ways, but actually developing connections with people really can help make sense of things, and and you know th- that trust is at the heart of that in a sense of really building um, a trusting relationship where you can explore things and really work out you know what either what makes you tick. Or how you can continue to show up as your best self um, in that big, changing, sometimes scary universe. Um, so, who would like to conclude first? I'm going to ask and see who see who jumps in. Um, and it's just you know just a short reflection or something that you'd like to say. Actually, yeah, this for me, and this is what I'd like to leave people with. So, Sarah is volunteering to go first, which is great. So, yes, I think. 
there's um there's a couple of things which have been really powerful for me about this and i i guess the um it combines with a couple of things so our listeners may not know that we christened ourselves brené's birds because we're all devotees of brené brown and i think one of the things which has really landed for me both in terms of our conversation today but generally is around this thing thinking around uh, generosity which is the last of the letters in her acronym around braving which you can see on the anatomy of trust if you look at if you look for it uh, which is excellent but i think that generosity is a is a big thing for me around um uh, to to oneself in terms of being generous about the normalizing change roller coaster but also to others and giving people the benefit of the doubt when they make a mess of it because this is tough for everybody in different ways and that connects for me with um I can think my key takeaway in terms of something that I might use is this idea about the ripple of impact and about how the quality of your presence how generous you can be and how open and curious and how well you listen and understand and empathize there's something about the impact of how you're turning up and how actually that has a exponential effect because the ripple keeps going the pebble in the pond it doesn't just make one ripple it it continues and creates other ripples and so there's something about the wider system for me about how you show up and what the positive impact could be about how you do that excellent thank you and georgie what's what would, what would your reflections be yeah I, I, I mean drawing upon something sarah said you know it's okay to feel what you feel that really landed for me because I think it, it, it feel the feels of what you're feeling. Like it, it's an energy leakage if you're trying to push those feelings away. But it, it leads into, you know, Sarah's quote at the beginning, but it's, but what's the lesson? What's the learning? It's about, you know, when we talk about curiosity. So it's okay to feel what you're feeling and give yourself permission. And then the second part there is just to get curious, get quizzical. It's, you know, it, there's a lesson and there's a learning there. So it feeds back really to, you know, to both our quotes, but to, yeah, to Sarah's, you know, about courage and curiosity. But yeah, so I, that that for me really, really landed, um, really landed. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time. As ever, I've really enjoyed our conversation um, and I hope you have an enjoyable rest of day. And uh, it is Friday that we're recording this, so enjoy your weekends. Um, but thank you very much both for your time. Thanks. Thank you, Jane. You have been listening to the Coffee and Conversation podcast, the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen. My thanks again to my guests, Sarah Chaplin-Lee and Georgie Dickens, and also to you for listening. Until the next time, take care.